We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yep. We on? Start again. <laughs> I'll just, we'll just yeah, right, quite. take a cent, uh, okay, gap and then start. Hello and welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast. Um, our usual host, Dodzy, has claimed to be in Manchester for the night, even though there's been news on him later. Um, so if you're looking forward to another deluded mental podcast upon Newcastle are going to win six games and stay up, you've come to the wrong place, maybe, but we'll see. Um, it's me, Sai, joined by Ben. Hello. Mickey. Hello. Uh, we've got Mike on the line down south. Evening, chaps. And even further down south, we've also got a special guest, George Cook. All right, mate. All right, lads. Yeah, he wrote yeah, uh, okay. this week's... True Faith match report because he was at the match at St Mary's. So we'll get his thoughts. Did I read there was three? There was three lads who contributed, but George did the best bit, so we've got him on. Um, and with without further ado, Mickey, there it is. <laughs> we'll just we'll just crack straight on. Um, so George, you were the only one of us that saw ninety minutes of, of Newcastle getting absolutely. Oh, I watched it. I watched that on the telly. Okay, well he watched it in person, so we'll go to George anyway. But we'll come to you for for a rebuttal, Mickey. <laughs> Um, uh, I've, I've read your match report it was very interesting George I mean you're quite scathing of a lot of our players as I'm sure a lot of us will be um, basically how how bad was it uh, you were in the stands was it as bad as it sounded on the radio and as I presume it came across on TV Mickey but go ahead George take it away uh, it was pretty shocking um, having been at the last few um, it was up there with the um, probably probably last Last season was as, as bad as I thought it could get. Um, I, I, I think I've got a bit roasted into specs on this game where I was the opposite side of the pitch to some players because I was down by the, our goal, down on the left-hand side. So I was watching Anita the whole first half. Um, and he is not a footballer. He just doesn't offer a single thing. Um, oh, you would love to hear that. <laughs> he's right. He's... He's constantly looks terrified when someone's bearing down on him. He he, he put he dragged Mbemba out of position countless times to, to help him. Um, I think Sissoko left his side of the pitch to come the length of the pitch to come and help him <laughs> a couple of times. He's he um just a liability and and as I said in my match report, he's not the worst player in our team that day. Stephen Taylor. <laughs> How many how many under twenty one caps did he get? How can he be that terrible? He just it's the same old story really. He stands off, stands off, stands off, 
and lets the player make the decision whether he's going to sort of go by him or take a shot or pass it off to someone. And just we, I don't know what player we've got in the team that could have done a worse sort of job than what Stephen Taylor does. <laughs> um, do you believe he's injured, by the way, George, or do you think he was just hauled off? I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, he wasn't they injured, seem, was this, se- this season they seem to have swapped feigning injuries for their, you know, the John Carver get a red card thing they were doing last season. <laughs> um, I was expecting a red card, if I'm honest, this, this game. I thought someone's not going to fancy it and they're just going to get themselves sent off. But obviously t- the two of them, Jan Matt and Taylor, both both claiming injury. So Mate, well, maybe well, that's instead of the red card. Well, well, I was going to say, we'll take everything we can from it. Like, at least we didn't get someone red record. Let's look yeah. at the positivity of it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'd rather have seen Stephen Taylor do a rugby tackle than what he actually did yeah. for that for that goal. I don't think I've seen anything quite like it in Premier League football he just ever. Didn't, he just did like you. Just like he wasn't playing, wasn't it? Just well, he looked like you know you know when you like turn up for a game of five aside and you're late and you you, you rake it there in the car and everyone's just started. And you're not warmed up. You're not ready to play, and people are just <laughs> running around you because they've warmed up. It was like that. It's like he just wasn't ready for a game of footy. This only happens to you, Sai. <laughs> people are normally. Yeah, like, it's like the, the bloke in front of you just does a turn, and you've got no chance of turning at the same time. Just, I've, I've never seen that happen in professional football. <laughs> you like some sort of massive ship, like. <laughs> Did you see Stephen Taylor? Have you seen the goal? He was some sort of massive ship trying to turn around. You should. The thing it. was though, he was he was he was shouting his. Uh, everyone, he was pointing, and I don't, I don't know if it meant anything, but he was pointing and gesturing and yeah, trying it's, to it's do a, something. But I was just thinking, you know, Stephen, come on, you don't a, have a clue. It's a hallmark of all of our bad footballers over the last four or five years, yeah. like the pointing. Yeah. Mike Williamson does it. Danny Simpson did yeah. it, and I know he's about to win the league, but still, it's, it's just like Anita does it. Like it's the not being sure of yourself and just hoying your fingers out in other directions. <laughs> it must be someone else. It must be like something else is happening. It's just... So the other, thi- the well, other thing I noticed, I was looking at the teams the, the, the last four times we've lost to Southampton, the last four games, St Mary's. One player's played every match. Stephen Taylor. Vernon Anita. Really? Oh, really? Mm, the only player that's played all four matches. And we've conceded how many now? 13. 13 and scored one. That's incredible. Yeah. It's all your fault, Vernon. <laughs> yep. I thought, George, um, from watching on the telly, it looked like in the last sort of half an hour, maybe even 40 minutes, it literally looked like it was just Townsend that was trying and the rest of them just were, yeah, like, he, blatantly he, weren't um, trying. I, I don't know what he was doing in the first half, but maybe he wasn't getting the service or maybe he, he was sort of relying on Southampton having completely given up after um, the third goal, but... Yeah, he was he was looking bright. You've, um, you've hit a, you've hit under the reason that I think we're getting relegated is that um, most teams complain that their strikers aren't getting any service. We're complaining that our wingers aren't getting any service. <laughs> yeah. We're like yeah, one behind great, everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> like we can't get the ball into like our attacking midfielders. Never mind the striker. Like it's just a joke. Shocking. <laughs> and Wynaldum again. Was he playing? Match. Totally, totally anonymous again. Like yeah. The only thing I remember him doing is just being skinned so easily by I don't know if it was uh, Mane for the second goal. He just he yeah. just lets him walk round him. Yeah, I think we're going to come on to uh, to look at Wijnaldum in more detail a bit later on. Yeah, because um, he he deserves a decent portion of I our mean, time. I mean, what for, what was the atmosphere like by the end, George? Sorry, what was the atmosphere like by the end? Um, um, it was it was the gallows humour. Um, there was a lot of you know we're going down or like you know. 
But as I, I said in my match report as well, like Southampton just they don't offer much in the stands. They don't they don't make it a hostile environment. Yeah. They don't give much to, to the away fans. So I think realistically <laughs> it was just some of our fans saying, Come on now, let's keep going and so other ones sort of there's a lot of people with crossed arms silently standing there or few just, you know, making light of it, sort of we're going down and um it, it wasn't great. I mean, a, a lot of people didn't come out for quite a while after half-time. Yeah. To, you know. I mean, I saw a few videos actually today of people just going nuts on the concourse. Uh, apparently, people just didn't bother going to watch the second half. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It sounds so much more fun. Some lads having a party down in the concourse. <laughs> like uh, the, the sort of our-fan stereotype. Big, big lads, shirts off, tattoos, <laughs> swilling, like chucking beers in the air, singing, dancing. But um, they were having a good time. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mickey, I was going to come to you because uh, Benita, after this match, Benitez has come out and said we really, really need like the fans not to boo the lads and like to just get behind us for these last six games. Um, do you do you think he's right? Do you think it's it's? I mean, it's already gone far too far for some people, and they've they've, they've had enough, and they're rightly so after the football has been served up for two seasons should be showing their frustration. But do you think? Is it too late for fans to, to hold that in a bit more? I, I get his point. Like, it's not, I, I know it's not helpful. Everyone knows it's not helpful doing the team. And it's, I've got more more forgiveness for it when it happens after the match at the final whistle. But in, like, in the heat of the moment when you serve, that like that performance against Southampton was as bad as I've seen. I've said that all season, basically. But some of the games we've been to, like the last 20 minutes when you're not in the game and you've travelled all the way to fucking wherever it is Everton in particular for us like fuck them like they're, they're the ones that are getting paid to do this we're spending our money spending our time to go and do something that was, that's supposed to be fun so I like I understand this point but I think I think our fans are well within their rights to boo them because the players are, are, are a joke do you think this team needs the fans behind them, or has it already been shown that it doesn't it makes, really make a difference? Doesn't make any difference. The players are shit, regardless of whether we're on the backs or not. Do you reckon we need clappers and gold music then? Is that the only <laughs> way? <laughs> uh, that would be that would be me. It would be me not going back if we get uh, <laughs> forget clappers. It's one step too far. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, cool. um, I was. I was. I wanted to ask you, George, whether there was any booze actually during the game, or whether it came after the final whistle. Well, I was actually going to say that there was a good pretty decent reception considering the result for the players as they came over to applaud the away fans there was quite a lot of people that stood and, and applauded the players regardless so I, I I think you know and Rafa was certainly having his name sung so I mean I think it's a, I think there's a huge disparity there between obviously what they're going to get a home match and what they're going to get away mm-hmm. I think away is obviously like myself there's a lot of it, it's hard to get Back to the north, or you get up to the northeast and you know watch games. So when they're down south, you kind of make the most. So it's it's you know for you lads who can go week in week out, it's you know you kind of maybe take it for granted. So when you go to the, the games on the south coast, you can go to you 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 kind of maybe g'd up than you should be for it being a shocking run of games. But I don't know. I had a, had a Welsh guy next to me. I had a few Cockneys to my right. So I, I, and obviously I'm not. A, born and bred Geordie so it, I, it's difficult it's difficult to gauge it from, from certain sections of the away fans you had some absolute dickheads and then you had some probably pretty positive people so it's mixed bag really away yeah, I mean, as I, you guys have commented in the past I, I take your point about um, obviously it's, it's a different crowd especially that far south but I think 
I mean, the reaction is purely Rafa Benitez. If that was Steve McLaren and 11 players, yeah, oh, it, yeah. It, be, 100%. they wouldn't be here the end of it. So I think everyone just wants to believe that Benitez can still do this. Um, I mean, it was just just take us as a point. I mean, the, the Leicester game where we went down, we were all absolutely buzzing, like had a crack in time down there. And as you said, there, George, you, you G'd up. You're thinking, oh, I w- we might get something here. You're looking <laughs> yeah. for any positive you can. <laughs> and obviously it just there's nothing shown there's no positivity whatsoever on the pitch it's you just left the like scratching your head just thinking what we're doing here but let's make another song about Rafa <laughs> yeah there was um, quite a split on Fraser Forster when he obviously was between the sticks down our end the second half I think like, that's harsh what, what, what have people got in, which I think's harsh what, what have people uh, got against Foster we sold him yeah I know yeah we he was a quality keeper for us we didn't play him fair enough Krill was probably better at the time so he's moved on to, yeah. to further his career that's absolutely ridiculous that kind of I that's, that's say, a stupid attitude that, you, not, you guys have been on about small club mentality I think that's a small club thing yeah I don't know, you yeah. know oh, we, we shouldn't be doing that we should be better than that well, especially considering I mean when let's, let's be honest nobody would have foreseen him going on to fulfil the potential he has very um, true but I, th- I think so. I mean, it, it's not as if like it's not like he, he did. It's it not like he was a big yeah. It's not like he was a big name player that left left the club to, right. to go on to bigger and better things. He went to Norwich and Celtic. Yeah, and I think so, he should get a good reception from yeah. team fans. He's, he's one of us. I'm sure he would from the majority. Uh, in, in your match report, um, George, you, you mentioned a bloke who said that Rob Elliott is ten times the goalkeeper that yeah. Fraser Foster yeah. is. <laughs> like, what's he doing at a football match in the Newcastle end? Like, there's no way. Uh, I have no idea. I, th- I mean, just just so you know where I'm at, I'm, I'd, I'd have a fully fit crawl over Elliot any day of the week. Um, but, I mean, Elliot's been all right this season, obviously. But, um, yeah, to say that Elliot is, <laughs> is ten times better than Fraser Forster's last one, I think, I mean, he, he said it, and then I think he probably thought better of it, because there was a few of us around him in the stands that were like, are you having a laugh? <laughs> that well known Geordie phrase. Yeah. That's just not even an acceptable opinion. Just, uh, like, he shouldn't be at a football match nah, if he's going to say that, things that's like that. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's just wrong. Like, it's not often that you say someone's just straight up 100% totally wrong when yeah. he says something about footy, but that's just, just not right. But he's the sort of bloke that would get on the telly at representing Newcastle. Yeah, like, that's I said the ground. Yeah. Boy, good. <laughs> <laughs> So um, uh, just to, we'll we'll kind of round up the match. Then I mean, you alluded to the the previous two. Was it any better than the other four nil defeats under Pardew? I mean, three one is well, technically a better result, but was it any better on paper? I think it was marginally better than last season. I mean, last season was what a goal, first goal was in the sixth minute, last goal was in the ninetieth minute, and it it was just we didn't offer anything. I don't think we offered much this obviously this game, but Townsend had a good good goal so that was you know at least something to cheer yeah so I, you know that was something and you were at least obviously was part of you last season and it was Rafa this season so Rafa's got a lot of goodwill I t- <laughs> it, it, it's degrees of shit though isn't it but it's like <laughs> you know spot on pretty awful game I was looking at the last the last Newcastle scorer before Townsend at St Mary's with 2004 Stephen Carr Screamer as well isn't it yeah yeah. it's the last time we won uh, as well, 2004 yeah, was two, it 2-1 yeah. yeah I think did Shearer score or was it I can't remember I just remember Stephen Carr there was Carr. a David Pratt known goal and Stephen Carr we won 2-1 David, David Pratt 
yeah. Probably yeah. better than our defenders. Uh, another interesting thing was that they had um, Charlie Austin on the bench. And Joe Rodriguez. Di- difference of like... Having options. Starting for us, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Six million quid, Charlie Austin, as well, wasn't he? Was it, was it yeah. four? Four? Some ridiculous four price. Million? Not for any Wages, though, wouldn't it? They're reporting the wages are ridiculous. Yeah. Doubt Ashley would have paid them. Well, you say that, but we're we're paying a hell of a lot of money to some absolute clowns that are get, <laughs> yeah. get 90 minutes at the minute, so what's the difference? Yeah. You'd rather have one Charlie yeah. Austin than basically our entire midfield. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, then to sum up then, George, based on what you saw, do you think this team can win four, which is probably what we need? I mean, unless... I think at the, at the least... We need, four. Four, we need four, probably. Four will be enough. Do you think this team can win four of the last six? I think it rests on Man City. I think if you know if we win against Swansea next week, then it's. I, I can't see us beating Liverpool away. And if Spurs, are, if Leicester have wrapped up the title, maybe Spurs won't care, care last game of the season. Vile and Palace are terrible. So I think it's that Man City game if we beat Swansea. But I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm not um, that optimistic now. Yeah, I mean, Sp- you, Spurs and City. I think you're right. We've picked up on those. City probably will have nothing to play for, and Spurs yeah. might have nothing to play for. If City may still have Europe to worry about, you don't know. Spurs are mint, yeah. though. We're not getting anything off Spurs. Even Spurs are only trying 50% of power. Man City, there's, there's Spurs a chance. are one of the six games we've won this season. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a chance we'll beat City. We'll I make... knew we were there. Yeah, but in fact, I quote, I don't know how we've won. Yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna... What was it? Was it? We're terrible. We've had no chances. But we won. <laughs> lads think Spurs will risk the um, England contingent on the last game of the season. Hopefully not. I, I don't yeah. think I don't think that'll come into his mind. I think he will play them all, especially well, obviously. Well, Pochettino. Yeah, worrying about England. Exactly. <laughs> He's not going to care about that. He'll he'll want to. I don't know. I don't accumulate know as many points. It depends as well. I mean, I suppose the, the other thing to, to factor in is Arsenal are just behind Spurs at the minute. Yeah. That'll be yeah. massive if they can finish above Arsenal. So that'll be. I think that'll go down to the wire. So that's why I think they'll they'll still be playing for the last game to I ensure that they, they beat they beat Arsenal. If if Spurs are set in second and Arsenal can't catch them and they can't catch Leicester. I think the likes of Kane and Ali might just say to Pochettino, leave me out. I, I wouldn't want to risk it. I, I would think know. about it. I don't think they will. Would you? Oh, no. uh, I, I don't think they will. But they, do, do you reckon you can actually beat Swansea? I, I don't know if you could beat Swansea at home to be perfectly honest. All right, Mike. They've won. <laughs> I thought I'd just pop in and have a, have a pop. <laughs> they've, won four, they've won four out of the last six Swansea. I wouldn't be... Uh, I, I wouldn't have much good confidence in, in, in you putting it together against an organised team who'd sit in against you, frustrate you for the first twenty twenty five minutes, and then and then could hit you hit you on the counter. I don't I, I don't think Swansea's a a banker um, necessarily before you even get onto the Man City and Spurs games. I don't know what you think about that. So we're basically you're just popping with a balloon here. <laughs> so we're just wrapping up there. Uh, Mike, to be honest with you, I think you're right. The way we've been playing and the way Swansea have been playing, I think we'll get beat on Saturday. And that'll be it. Um, I hope the proof is wrong. <laughs> do, we think, do we think Rafa will bring some changes? Yeah, I think he has to, doesn't he? There's, there was too many yeah. people out there that were, that were atrocious. Who, who's going to realistically come in? I mean, Dodds, Dod, keeps hopping on about Paul Dummett coming back. 
which is a lad that we've been slating on the podcast for two years about saying how he shouldn't be playing in the Premier League. All of a sudden, he's this, this some sort of saviour. Yeah. Oh, listen, I mean, I, I, I agree. We all we agree Paul Dummett's a terrible footballer, but Rafa Benitez has yet to be able to start like a proper back four of just <laughs> defenders. Even that has got to give us more the of a chance. The was good when he came on. The sales looked fired up. That's what I mean. What, how's, how has Taylor managed to get the nod I over Lascelles after the... Um, uh, the North, uh, was it the North game last week? Yeah, yeah. it was abysmal. He clearly yeah. doesn't know because his comments after the game were probably mostly aimed at Taylor, if it was aimed at anyone. Yeah, it looked like <laughs> it. Um, the thing with Lascelles is when he has played, he's looked he's looked really questionable on the ball, but quite solid as a defender, like decent in the air. Yeah, he's he's in the solid at Leicester. Like with the game we went to, he, I mean, obviously didn't really have a an aerial threat against him, but he. He, he handled them quite well, I thought. Yeah. Um, but it's just just Taylor's just an absolute clown. He looks like Bambi on ice, doesn't he? With Lascelles, I mean, the last thing you need as a young developing defender is a season at Newcastle in yeah. the relegation zone. Like, <laughs> it's just going to ruin his career when you're not getting a game. Yeah. Um, we had a we had a tweet in from uh, at Clock Toys, was it? I don't know what his name is. Uh, he said uh, he's trying to grasp why performances are still so flat under Rafa. Um, is it uh, because the players reckon he's not he's not staying? So like, it's not really in, having the desired change. Um, I'll, I'll come to you, lads. I mean, I just think it was. It, I just think it's too late. It's, yeah, I think they all they all know that they've been so rubbish this season that they're down anyway. Yeah. I mean, just, I was just about going it. So I think one of the factors is obviously injuries. He's he's come in and he's yet to have like even a remotely full squad defender wise. Really, I mean, he's pretty much got the front six back now, but. Um, defenders, he lost callback to to um, suspension straight away. It's not been ideal having to play Anita at fullback, Sissoko at fullback. Jan Matt's gone off for half a game. Sissoko and Anita on both on both uh, fullback positions. Stephen uh, Taylor centre half instead of Colacini. As much as we've slated Colacini, he's a, he's a million times better than Stephen Taylor. Yeah, I mean we we scored an alright number of goals. It's it's obviously just conceding, which has been a joke. And it's um, I don't know of the four games. We've had three away games, one of which was at the, the league winners. Another was a relegation battle with Norwich. You know that could have gone either way if, if Stephen Taylor wasn't playing. Um, the other was a derby, which again can go either way. Like he's not exactly had the four stri- most straightforward fixtures, and then Southampton, which Newcastle haven't won since two thousand and four, as he just said. I know what you're saying, but we've played two of the bottom four teams, like. You, but yeah, you, it's not going. It doesn't get any easier than that. Been, they've all been big pressure games, is what I'm saying. I know, so I know. But the, the, every every game's a big pressure game at this stage, and yeah. Every, and the difference is you're playing against teams that are just better than you for well, most of the, <laughs> every other game. So we needed to do something in in the Norwich and the, the Sunderland game. I felt, and that when we didn't do anything, um, that's where I sort of lost me me hope. Yeah. Really, well, in that case, it is the players, then, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've seen. If Rafa Benitez hasn't been able to get them to at least try. Then they're a lost cause. Frankly, yeah. there's there's no one no one else in world football could turn to could turn Newcastle around. The frustrating thing is the the looked the looked organised and the looks all right against Leicester. Like yeah. it wasn't a terrible form. So I mean, we didn't really create anything, but at least you, I can't remember Leicester having a a great chance. I mean, the goal came out of a, a mistake really. I mean, was it Lascelles? I think slipped, which allowed up exactly the space to then. And to be fair, even then, he had a lot to do. He's, he's take. You've got to give him credit. Well. Uh, the Vardy, yeah, well, Vardy was offside. But um, who did he beat? Oh, it was Callback. He beat Callback for a header, didn't he? 
but it was just that. I mean, that that performance sort of gave you a bit of hope because it was obviously his first game. You thought at least there's a structure to the to the defence, um, the defensive setup where you think we probably can build on that and, and get some clean sheets. Which, I mean, you, you hear Allardyce talking about it all the time at Sunderland about clean sheets at that end of the 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 sort of uh, the the league. It's it's the goals that you concede in it are costing you. I mean, the, you lose two goals. The game's gone. Yeah. I mean, Newcastle especially are awful when they go behind the games. We don't we don't come back. So it's it's massively key. It's sort of key that the well, keep that, tight that, at the that back. Whole, that, that whole thing with the heads dropping is is what it is, and that's where yeah. we just can't seem to to change the pattern. It's like it's two years basically now. Of I mean, it, it started with Pardew. I know you had that little little spell just before he left in November time, which he always did, where he got a few wins. But we basically have been a terrible losing team for two years now. Pardew, Carver, McLaren, and that team is now just—it's ingrained. Just being behind, being the underdogs. And again, talk about like Sunday League, Mickey. You'll—you'll you'll probably, you know, where you just—you just get so used to being the shy team yeah. who's just losing. And like, even <laughs> even like in the first half, you'll you'll get to half time and everyone will know what what's gone wrong. You'll all be saying, right, this is what we need to do second half to improve. And then you go out and play the exact same as you did in the first half. It's like they probably know what they need to change, but the confidence just isn't there. And they just get stuck in this habit of losing and doing the wrong things and making shit decisions. And even Benitez, he's had the squad like a month now. It's probably a, a, too much of an ask even for him. It doesn't seem to have gotten any better. That's the real concern. Um, I don't know. Honest, the performances honestly. have been improved slightly. I mean, it was Lascelles who's made some comments this week um, or just after the game about how he thinks the players are trying a bit harder now than he did under... Uh, they did under McLaren. McLaren. He's, he's come under some fire for that, but like, I, I I would agree with him. I think the performances have been there. There's a lot more energy. We're just bad. We're just really bad, and we can't defend. Didn't he also say that McLaren was a great manager as well as Benitez is a great manager? Did I read that? Yeah. Do, do, yeah, you, dis- did. do, do you disagree, Mike? <laughs> sl- sl- slightly questionable, but uh, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree with the, gen- the, the general principle. I suppose it's a bit easier for him, isn't it, to to come out because he's probably treated slightly different. I mean, you'd know better than me, but I imagine he's seen slightly, you know, as a, as a slightly different set to the to the rest of the players that, as you say, have, have have had that ingrained failure. He's kind of been out of that group, so it's uh, maybe it's a bit it's a bit easier for him to to come out a bit unblemished from that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly put him up on the on the McLaren comment. Let's go on for the rest. <laughs> Fair. Um, all right then. So, <laughs> where were we? That bloke's tweet. I um, I don't I don't think that. I know the performances still seem flat, but I think there is signs of improvement. And uh, Benitez will now approach these last six games, knowing that four of them can be won. And he'll probably, you know, I, I kind of have faith in him to give us a chance. What I do like about him is he's not, he's, he's, go, he's going for it. Like he's made attacking substitutions at the right times. I feel in games. So he, I mean, the, obviously the Norwich one. I mean, he said he had to, but the the the, the changes he made there got us back into the game. Yeah, and we had a chance to win it at the end. And I, you just feel like we never had that chance under McLaren or or. The idiot before him. No, you're right, um, you're right. And it's just like at least Rafa, you feel like he's gonna he's gonna go down fighting. He's gonna be hoying on four strikers at the end of the game if, if yeah. we're behind. And like we have got some decent players in there that are okay. They're low on confidence, but if you're just told just go for it, like there's nothing left to lose. Like who knows? 
yeah. miracle might happen. You I mean, know what it is? You think about that Norwich game. If we'd won, if Cissé had scored with his header at the end instead of missing, and they went up to the other end and scored, if we'd won that game, we would be safe. We'd still be a point by Norwich, but I would say we would be safe. Yeah, I think I think you need. Obviously, Benitez can manage a game that's better, and he's got that that managerial quality. But you need a huge slice of luck. So you need that. You need those good changes to still. You know, there's still a great chance. There's a lot of shit there that could still counterbalance that at the other end. So <laughs> you, need, you need a huge slice of luck. Those things when he does make those changes for them to work and then not be fucked up by someone doing something stupid at the other well, end. So it's uh, just it's, uh, yeah, it's not just out of Benitez, is it really? No, you make a good point. I mean, to be honest, the Sunderland game, like when he when he made those attacking substitutions, Sunderland basically let were back in the game. I yeah. think big time by just I think the pressure got to them and they completely bottled yeah, it and just le- allowed us to dominate the game. Which we left two defenders on the pitch. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's that's probably what we need to do. We need to put the pressure on other teams and just gamble a bit because at the minute the way we're going, we're we're getting absolutely destroyed off everybody anyway. So go gung ho. I think we certainly have to target doing that at home yeah definitely I mean Swansea coming up then you just got you just got to attack him you just got to give him something to think about I d- I'm not sure um, Mitrovic should have tied at Southampton because um, he's, you know, he's made an in- impact the last couple of games mm-hmm. but um, I think obviously you're probably going to have to start Mitrovic I'd I play De Jong um, from yeah. the start probably Um that's, a, that's, another, that's another bizarre one though De Jong had some quality games earlier on in the season yeah. obviously got injured again but I don't know why he's not fancied like he's not getting an opportunity when everything's been as bad as it has I mean how can he how can they say he's, he's any worse than what Genie's been putting out there what yeah. um, and sort of any yeah. of the others I well, mean, it's got to be the last time Mitrovic and Perez start a game together yeah. it's just yeah. got to be the last time it doesn't but work it's, it's, frust- it's frustrating because I mean, we were talking I think on the radio show a while back about the options we've got in the front sort of line should have a, a good. You should be able to sort of make some good up, um, good sort of impacts in terms of bringing players off the bench because yeah. there's a good mix there. But it's just not getting the right things on the pitch. I mean, Mitrovic every time he he comes on to a game, he has a big impact. I think he's probably better as an impact substitute for the last twenty minutes, especially when that sort of stage you're probably going a bit more long ball anyway. Whereas when I mean I just feel like Genie's wasted a bit when, when you are you're going on ball he needs the ball on the ground it's maybe just finding the right sort of playing the wrong players yeah. together I mean he'd probably be better with a, a likes of a Perez up front and a, a De Jong behind him so they can link up yeah. whereas I don't think Mitrovic can, can do that link up play and it's probably just they're not I mean they've, they've had a full season together but they're obviously not gelling as well yeah. I mean, me and Dodgy said this on Friday um, there's two kinds of number 10 there's a number 10 like Wijnaldum or a Kevin Nolan of the past who can hang around and get goals and be in the right position but contribute nothing to the rest of the game he's just literally a luxury player mm-hmm. waiting for chances or you can get like a De Jong who literally links up the other five players in their half yeah. and when, you're, when you're second bottom and scrabbling for points you need the ladder you can't afford the first the first, like to be the, the luxury number 10 that Wijnaldum thinks he is and I know I mean just Perez does the exact same thing and with yeah. a pair of them on the pitch at the same time away at Southampton you you could argue Benitez has got got it slightly wrong there but I don't want to don't want to be too scathing of him because he knows way more than anyone's got <laughs> football so. I think George is right though but we, Mitrovic's two most effective performances for Newcastle have been when he's come off the bench recently and then he, he's straight back in and starts uh, I thought I thought it was wrong yeah uh, 
I don't know. I trust it, it is, it's, it's the desperation, though, isn't it? What? Well, I haven't got any other options. He just wants to have his best players on the pitch, and you can't blame him for that. There's not. There's no time for tactical changes and approaching the game where you're going to make subs. Like you just. I mean, the, the problem is he left Mitrovic out, and then he comes on against Norwich and nearly rescues the game for us. So it's like yeah, you three can't and, three and two. Like exactly, you can't. How do you, how do you not play that striker? Exactly. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? All right, moving on, Mickey. Um, another strange event that occurred in that match was first of all Janmat trying to intercept that ball and falling over and somehow getting injured. It was and then, pathetic, by the way. How was he managed? Like he just sort of tangled himself I don't know we'll, just we'll, we'll, stand still and intercept the ball well come on to that then do you think uh, he was genuinely injured and had to come off or do you think the injury actually occurred in the changing rooms as has been reported today and he's <laughs> supposedly punched the wall and broke his fingers I, I don't know I, I don't want to be one of these one of these tune fans that's going to kick off and be like he's he's feigning an injury it's, he's a joke but well, I can think of one Toon fan who happened to have the manager's job this time last season <laughs> who was quite happy to say these things about these players <laughs> um, so you would like to think that a professional wouldn't um, wouldn't seriously feign injury and I don't know there's just some there's some niggling part of me that saw Yamat lying on the floor having just given them the, the last goal in the game the thought he's fine and he just doesn't fancy it mm. I mean, he's that's what I thought that's what I thought at the ground. I was surprised he didn't come back on. I knew he was down and he looked he looked pissed off. But what? when then I heard he was he was injured, I was like, how? How's he injured? Do you think he wanted to go off? Do you think Benitez has hauled him off because of what happened and he's lying on the floor and then that's why he's ended up punching the, the train? Well, I do wonder. I mean, Stephen Taylor and Yama are supposedly both injured and they're both the two players that gave away the two goals. Yeah. I wonder if he sort of said they've you know picked up an injury just uh, because of morale and they wanted to save face. Yeah, I mean obviously separate to Yamat punching a wall. I wonder if he's he has hoid him off and he said that just to sort of protect him. Yeah, you couldn't blame him for Being doing shocking. that. It's a funny one. The punching the wall thing. I can't decide whether I want to take that as a positive or a negative. Yeah. Like, is it is it Yamat actually showing that he does care about the team that he's? That he seems to be trying so hard to prove that he doesn't, or he is he, totally is he just an, an idiot? And is that him done for the season? I don't know. <laughs> we need him to be playing well, don't we? Because he's he's probably the only actual defender that we've got fit. I've well, never I've, fit. I've never massively rated him as a defender. That's the worrying thing as well. His his best work is get when he's bombing forward. But it's, I suppose if he, he is at least ten times better than the likes <laughs> of Anita and Stephen Taylor in his defending capacity so obviously we need him but it's just it's just typical of that the, the, the defence um, and I mean we, we've had a pop a number of times but just the recruitment for them to allow the team in this at this stage to still be putting out uh, Anita at left back and Stephen Taylor at centre back is just a farce but We've covered that one many a time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dodds, would have... He was disappointed to see Anita starting, and he, he's of the opinion that if Paul Dummett is fit enough to be on the bench, he should be starting. Was Dummett on the bench? He was on the bench, Well, I. why the fuck wasn't he starting? Well, I think I I, I agree with what Benitez has done there. If you, if you start Dummett, and then he has to go off after 20 minutes, then you're stuffed, and you've lost a sub, and you've got Anita on at left back after 20 <laughs> minutes with one less sub. Equally, if um if you start the game with, with Anita or whoever, and he gets injured... At least then you've got Dummett in case he needs to come on, but you don't. He's clearly if he's not fit enough to start, Benitez isn't going to start, and we probably didn't want to play him. The fact that he hasn't come on, um, 
I've always thought if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to start, particularly as a defender, because you don't risk putting on a defender who's po- who's possibly injured. Again, I'm just going to have to apply the rule that Rafa Benitez knows more football, more about football than us. That's oh, so that's the end of that. Then. Rafa wins. <laughs> uh, right, so we were shite, and we're still going to stay up. Um, Should we do scores? Then, uh, Score then we'll, we'll do some quick predictions, and we'll come to Mike for his wonderfully crafted Premier League points. George, go here first. What's the score going to be on Saturday? 2-1, Newcastle. I'll stay positive. Get in. Mike? 2-0 uh, draw, I reckon. Sorry? <laughs> I was about to say 2-0, but there's never ever going to be a nil. 3-1. 3-1, Newcastle. Ben? Uh, I think 3-1 as well. All right. of that is based on absolutely no evidence just whatsoever. Hope. Just hope. <laughs> a lot of hope. I reckon yeah. three two. I don't. I think we'll concede two ridiculous goals uh, and score three. If I had Jonas in the team, then I could believe in a last minute winner. But <laughs> I don't believe any of this current squad have got um, a, a five goal thriller with a winner in them. Well, if we'd have uh, had uh, Ben Arthur and Andy Carroll this week, we'd have uh, we'd, <laughs> we'd have had six more goals. That's, yeah. a, that's a fair point. Yeah, both got hat tricks this weekend. I mean, it's hard to take, isn't it? It is yeah. hard. <laughs> It's hard. It's salt in the wounds at the minute. Yeah, I mean, but both left at, at what you would probably say was the right time in terms of 35 million. Yeah, yeah. You can't argue with that. And Ben Arthur had totally gone off the bottle for us. He'd put on weight. I mean, and, yeah, he wasn't massive. You know massive. what Ben Arthur needed at Newcastle? Rafa Benitez. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he was working under Jokers, but what was the point of having a player like Ben Arthur if it just wasn't going to work out? No, that's fair. It's a shame, but, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't right at the time. Uh... Yeah, that's a depressing thought, though. Two players that could have easily had long, illustrious careers here, just banging them in all over the world, and there's us just getting hammered at Southampton again. <laughs> Mint. Uh, even even Ferrer scored in the Champions League overnight. Or the UEFA. All right, all right. That's enough. Who did? Ferrer. Chucky. Are you kidding? Shakhtar. Did he actually? Is he back playing football? Back to Shakhtar. He is. is he a real footballer? <sighs> Is he not just another Henry Saive who just like turns up and gets paid? Dumbi will be doing it next season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of uh, Saive, by the way, he must be absolutely terrible if he's not even getting in the squad at the minute. Oh, he was sent down to the under twenty ones on must Friday be at the Emirates, mustn't he? How much did he cost us with five million quid? Was it? It's like it's like Lee Graham. We've got no defenders. We're going to really struggle to get through the second half of the season with with three fit defenders. Well. My agent mate knows this French uh, defensive midfielder. Sign him up. Like it just doesn't make any sense. No. It's a Graham Sooner signing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, um, Mike. Do you want to talk about the relegation battle? Seeing as you obviously think there's no hope for Newcastle, what do you reckon? Norwich play Sunderland this weekend. Take it away. Yeah. Well, it. it... It kills me, honestly. It does kill me to to say it, but I, uh, rather than you going down, I, th- I think Norwich are gonna gonna stay up. Unfortunately, um, I just as we've touched upon before, I don't think even Swansea at home for you is a is a gimme um, with a Swansea team with nothing to play for. I can't I can't see from your point of view the consistency in be, being able to to string together a, a run of enough games um, to, to to get those points and, and rely on Norwich not picking any more points up. Um, uh, I, I just I could see you picking up the odd result, but uh, I can't see that that consistency in performance. Um, I think we touched on it a few times this season. When you've won games, you, you 
certainly home, you, you've had to play outstandingly well and score great goals to, to beat teams. And it's not, you know, it's not been the case that you've been able to eke out results and just with decent performances, which I think at the moment is uh, is going to be asking too much. And uh, as much as it kills me to say it, I, I think I think Norwich are, are going to stay up still, and I think uh, I think you haven't got a hope. I'm afraid. Are you listening, at Twitch fans? <laughs> oh yeah, everything's firmly crossed at the moment, but uh, in, uh, in pure realism. And to be fair, I don't want to play him again next season because we've had a shocking record against him in the last six or seven years. So I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather us have a, a, another season of trying to play some football uh, before taking them on. But I, I, I just, I just think it's not necessarily a case of Norwich being good enough to stay up. It's one of those where, where there are just teams that are just even worse than them. Um, I think that's been the case in the Premier League for quite a few seasons and I think um, certainly for Villa to come around and then I think for, for yourself and Sunderland I think it's been a it's been a matter of time for it for a little while um, you, you're just waiting for for, for for this to happen and it, it's been on the cards so I don't know you, you know better than me but I, I just think it's uh, been uh, sleepwalking into, into relegation for a couple of years now at least I think you're right Mike with all three of us that are going down us Sunderland and Villa We've all deserved it for years. They've all been waiting for a season where the three promoted teams have been strong, and yeah. this is the one. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was always going to happen eventually. Um, I'm surprised all three were going down though. That is surprising. Yeah. Like to have three teams come out. I mean, Bournemouth, I think, are the biggest shock. Um, I mean, obviously, Norwich. I mean, what? Well, to be fair, actually, what am I talking about? Watford have been. A, a massive shock as well how good they've been but um, just just touch on the ball I mean the Bournemouth game when they battered us the other, the other day I mean how, who'd have saw that at the start of the season just Bournemouth coming up here beating with 3-1 absolutely killing her. Like it just shouldn't, I, I it just shouldn't that, be happening yeah I, I think it is something that we, that we always underestimate at the beginning of each season I think if you listen to our prediction show at the beginning of the season it would show us all to know pretty much uh, at all but um, it, I think we always underrate the value of having a, a solid team that, that, that knows how to work together and has been together for a few years you know not the whole team but a core um, group of players in that squad um, that have learned to play in a, in a defined way a defined system um, same tactics and, and can play together as a unit rather than just buying in players and I think if you look at those teams down there like the likes of yourself Sunderland and Villa if you look at the recruitment the lack of plan strategy around the players the types of players you bought there seems to be just buying players because they're available and you can buy them rather than them being players that you need um, yeah. for, for the team and to, and to build a solid unit and I think we underestimate that a lot we, we might look at players and, and teams like Bournemouth and think well they, they'll struggle they haven't got a lot of Premier League experience but what they do have and what they have had is a, a solid unit that, that's been together for a few, for a few years and and, and, and knows how each other play and I think um, if you look at the, the the teams in the relegation zone at the moment you struggle to to, to to say what the core of those teams are and pick five or six core players that, that are solid and, and know each other's games inside out I don't think you can call them teams they're just individuals no which <laughs> yeah that's very true yeah. I mean I I don't, I don't think it's as set in stone as that, Mike. Um, just looking at the table now, let's. I mean, it, it really, really does hinge on this weekend. If Norwich beat Sunderland, then I think that's it. But 
I mean, the ideal result this weekend for us is a draw between those two. That puts Norwich on 32 points with four to play. Let's give them four points from their last four games, and that's ambitious. It's not They've not got a nice run in, but end of season, p- teams always pick up more points. That would leave them on 36, um, which would leave us needing 11 to match them, but our goal difference is shoddy, so the 12. The four wins will be enough. Magham's won't pick up nine or ten points, whatever that would be. So it's it's all about the four wins for us, which is why it's, I don't think it's over. I don't think Norwich can run away from us necessarily. Um, no, it's, I, it's still I, I to play don't for. think teams... Yeah, I, I don't think any, any of you down there are good enough to run away from anyone. I just think four wins out of six. Um, that's, that's, for, that's Champions League form, isn't it? Uh, I can see it's, it could be possible. But... Um, it's yeah, I, I just can't see having a consistency to to pull that off for four games, maybe for for a couple, but yeah, I mean, for four four wins, I think it's yeah, it's looking bleak. You're right. It's Champions League form. We just need a manager who's won the Champions League. Oh, hello. Whoa, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> and a striker or two as well, maybe. Yeah, well. Two defenders and a uh, left back would be helpful as well, <laughs> and, a, and a goalkeeper. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of Champions League, Mike, do you want to talk a bit about what you think is going to happen up there? Top four. Yeah, well, um, I was just thinking actually after the West Ham Arsenal game uh, at the weekend, and just t- take a moment to appreciate the absolute peak Arsenal at the weekend, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, that massive collapse, all two 0 up, <laughs> comfortable if you like, and then absolute classic, classic collapse, um, which was thoroughly enjoyable, um, but. I think for West Ham, thinking about West Ham, we've been talking about them for a few weeks about possibly getting that fourth place. Um, it could be a blessing in disguise, um, I think. It looks now it's going to be a bit of a, an uphill task for them to, to get into the Champions League, get qualification places. But I think, although their fans, as a fan, you'd obviously love them to get into the Champions League, I think it could work for the better for them. If you look at how long it's taken a team like Man City to adapt... Um, to being in the Champions League and actually make any progress. It's a very hard balancing act, not not just for the team on a pitch, but I think for the whole club to adapt to, to, to Champions League football. And it's a, it's a completely different kettle of fish. And I, I think with Billich and the stage that club is at the, is at the moment, I think it would be a, a massive, a massive challenge for him uh, at his stage in his career. And I, and I think if you look at the fans that have completely different expectations if you qualify for the Champions League there's a lot more pressures on the play you have to get a whole new squad in you manage that squad a lot of loyal players that have got you in that position in the year before and you have to have to manage them and rest them and rotate them I, I, I just can't uh, I, I can't see them making the success of it so I think possibly that result of the weekend and not getting a three points now looking like it's, it's slightly beyond them I think it could be a blessing in disguise. They can have another season next year in a, in a new stadium, new stadium that I haven't paid for, um, and uh, it, it just it just keep building rather than rather than necessarily going in the Champions League and then just just collapsing again and, and having a lower lower mid table finish and, and going back to where they started from. Um, I, I don't know what what we what you guys think. I think obviously as fans you'd, you'd love to you'd love the Champions League nights, but I think for West Ham and. And where they are as a as a club at the moment, I think it could be a it could be it could be a better move for them just to miss out on, on my, the Champions League this year. Mike, come up for a mate. <laughs> yeah. uh, take a take a breath. I mean, yeah. it's an in, it's an interesting point, Mike. Uh, I think Mickey wants to have a say. Uh, yeah, I think um, 
I think if West Ham were to get Champions League this year, they would look at it in the same light as Leicester are probably going to, and just see it as a as a bit of an adventure, an absolute and, bonus. Yeah, yeah, bonus. They're not going to be looking at the Champions League in the same sort of way as Man City are, because Man City have spent three hundred million quid a season for the past t- ten years or whatever it is. They need to be <laughs> slightly exaggerated. They, they they need to be challenging. Their their fans expect them to challenge. Their players expect them to challenge. The, the whole country expects Man City to challenge in the Champions League but West Ham get there West, if West Ham sneak in after the season they've had now everyone's going to expect them to go out in the first round and even if they do it's still it's still be meant their, their fans will have a class time their players will have a class time they'll still get to play in the Champions League yep. on the other hand if they don't make it in come fifth and get Europa League I think they're in more trouble than they are if they get Champions League because they've got the whatever it is this the 60 game season They've got gag, gag trips to like Belarus. Yeah, on a Thursday. Hang on, Mr. Pardew, are you suggesting that um, the Europa League has a detrimental effect on your league form? <laughs> I, I certainly think that it, I think it's got more of a detrimental effect on on your league form than the Champions League does. Well, the Champions League, as Mike said, means you need to invest. It means you need a much bigger squad. But I'd imagine with the money anyway, as well as the Champions League money, Belarus would get that money to spend. So they'll get they'll get more players in. I think they could handle it. I mean, what's the worst that happens? You go in a bit of a you get through the group stages and you play a load of European football and you come like 15th, <laughs> you'd still be delighted. As yeah. I was trying to say, that, that's like banking on you getting through the qualifying stages that we saw this year. Southampton dumped out of uh, the UEFA Cup in the first round yeah. by West Ham didn't, didn't try, did they, this yeah. year? In the UEFA West Ham pilot, yeah, no, it was this year as well. Lost some Maltese club, didn't they, or something? So, I mean, yeah, that they've, they've obviously already had a, a, a Europa League type season this year, which they just didn't bother with, so... I think they'd probably treat it probably the same next year. It wouldn't be a priority for them. Whereas I think the Champions League, as you said, I mean, obviously they would they would give it a go, but it's it's just building the profile of the club to attract bigger and better players is, is the the aim of it, isn't it? Everybody, every player wants to play in the Champions League. Um, they don't they don't dream of playing in the Europe League. So yeah, they could sign Sissoko. They could sign exactly. Uh, I was just yeah. about to say Sissoko get him so, would be straight for, over there for West Ham as a club now. It would be an ideal time for them to break into that Champions League place as well, because they're just about to get a new massive stadium in the heart of London. They could just sneak up by if they get Champions League this year by a couple of like couple of really solid key players. They could actually start yeah. to become a, a much bigger club than they are at the moment. Yeah. So, Mike, for once, we've actually given you a response to your points, and you've been shot <laughs> down quite. Normally we just let we just let you get on with it, but <laughs> not today. Oh, I've finally been ex- exposed to the Charlotte. Then <laughs> you've, you've waited for, for, for a couple. Yeah, of you've years actually been saying put me away. You've actually been saying the same bollocks every week. <laughs> we just didn't know. You're just you're just usually eating pizza and just having a kip on a bed while I'm doing it. All right. <laughs> uh, George, have you, what do you think? West Ham Champions League. I, yeah, I think this, I think um, the same. I think uh, they're they're going to want it. They're going to want to be in that Champions League because they've got to sell season tickets to fill that. Was it sixty thousand? Yeah. Capacity. I think. I think if you can put on everything, all their promotional stuff, Champions League next season, you know, the possibility that they they do get through the, into the qualifying, they do get in the group stage, and then they could have teams like you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, or whoever come into their to this new stadium. I think they'd they'd love that, even if they finish seventeenth next season. I yeah. think they just want it for that kind of that global profile, that you know, Champions League night, League nights on TV, on Sky, go around the world, build 
because they need to, I mean, they're, a, they're probably the club, obviously, but they need to build it up around the world now in that stadium. They need to be that kind of club. Um, so for me, I think, they, as, and as you guys said, I mean, Europa League's no blessing. So better to get in the Champions League and or get dumped out of that and end up in the Europa League anyway or, or not at all. But yeah. I think they'll want it. Yeah, maybe this is just my biased view on West Ham fans, um, but I, I, I get the feeling that even if they yeah do qualify and they're in the Champions League and then finish 15th the next season, I, I get the feeling they'll have very short memories and still start kicking off. Mike, <laughs> Mike, that could this... just be me being biased and bitter about previous playoff semi-final defeats for the day. Is this just you just trying your best to distance yourself from the fact that you're obviously, obviously a massive cockney? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we'll go on your last point then, Mike. West uh, Ham probably should never have sacked Allardyce, so he would have been—he would have had them up here, wouldn't he? Remember Allardyce saying they should never have lost his job. Blah blah blah. Oh, never, right. never. that was sarcasm good, there good, from Mickey. Good, good, good. I was—I was, I was actually going to come go back in there. It's like, yeah, it's not a bad shot. <laughs> he, he did did say he, he should have been uh, manager of Real Madrid if he wasn't so fat and, <laughs> and rubbish at his job. <laughs> Pardew would be up there with Leicester if they'd had a bit more luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. Alright then, uh, Mike, uh, you want to just talk about Roberto Martinez and his terrible, terrible season he's having with Everton. I mean, in context, yeah. maybe, but... I, think I, I, I just wanted to, to sneak in with another pop, really. Uh, I'm a bit worried <laughs> that he's gonna, his reputation is going to be boosted again. He's got this FA Cup semi-final coming up. Um, and like at Wigan when, when he won it obviously a great achievement but I think I think that's masked that cup success has masked um, some of his abilities as a manager if you look at the, the positions that, that Wigan uh, Wigan you know diminished under, in, in the years under under his control um, they, they, they steadily steadily went downhill until that relegation in, in the season they won the cup and it kind of got got a bit there uh, bit Bit, bit covered up by the fact that they, that they beat City and won the FA Cup um, and I think this year it, we're going down the same route if you look at their team they've got Lukaku one of the top scorers in the league they've got Stones and Barkley widely lauded as, as some of, the, some of the, the best English talent and then I think on top of that you've got an experienced set of, pre- set of Premier League players and they're a point behind West Brom West Brom are, are awful they're awful. I mean, they got all their clean sheets in the first half of the season and, and they're safe. But if you look at Everton and you look at the potential they've got and you look at, I think, the the way that Leicester have formed this season has exacerbated that. And you look at Martinez and his resources and, uh, and what he's got to hand, uh, I think, again, he, he's underachieved massively. Um, his first season, I think, seemed to be more Moyes' team when, when they were challenging for the, for the Champions League. And as he's got this way... Um, as was the case at Wigan as well, uh, they've steadily gone downhill, and uh, uh, hopefully, um, uh, uh, hopefully the FA Cup won't save them again. I think with Everton's new owners, I, th- I think he'll be found out and, and should find himself out of the job this season. I think they probably had one of the most disappointing seasons in the Premier League, obviously aside from, from the teams that are going down. Yeah, George, have you got something to say on that? I, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think with. With Martinez, it's worrying to see how the sort of 
the English players at Everton have, have, have sort of failed to kick on. I mean, with the start of the season, Stones, there was, you know, the bids from Chelsea, 40, 50 million or whatever, ridiculous money. And he can't even get in that team at the moment. I think Ali's kicked past Barkley and mm. um, Baines has lost his place to um, Danny Rose. So I, you've got to worry that some of their talent has dropped off. I don't, I think he's a bit of a myth with his you know, style of football. I don't think it's good to watch particularly. And um, I mean, Lukaku's gone at the end of the season, surely. So yeah. uh, that's, once he's, I mean, are they, are the new rich owners going to want, you know, Martinez to, to spend a load of money? I, d- I don't know. I think maybe it's time to part ways, bring in uh, someone. I mean, Rafa Benitez might be available. Yeah, he might be, won't he? Imagine that. He, he does want to go back to Merseyside as well, doesn't he? Yeah, it's where his family is, is why he's probably our manager, isn't it? So. No, lads, he's happy in Newcastle. <laughs> I'd be so gutted if Rafa went to Everton. Yeah. But yeah. It's a, it's not, it's not a bad shot. Right? I mean, as as you said there, I mean, one of, we had uh, one of my mates on the radio show not long ago, who's an Everton fan. He, I was sort of chatting with him this weekend about it, and he he made exactly the same point, sort of saying, John Stones is completely regressed underneath him. He's just not getting a chance. And you look at the, that Funes Mori who's getting the opportunities ahead of him. He's not a great player. That's rubbish. He's how and and how he's he's just completely sacked off Stones. For whatever reason, he just doesn't fancy him, which is absolutely mental, considering you would think he'd be one of the perfect players for that style of football that Martinez wants to play. For whatever Early. reason, he just doesn't doesn't rate him. Um, he's never been able to set up a team to defend. I mean, you look at the Wigan teams, they, they were a joke for years, and he's gone to Everton and completely undone one of the most solid um, teams in the Premier League under Moyes for years. I mean, that back four... <laughs> Could be very, very like good when you look at Coleman's probably one of the best sort of up and coming right backs. He's so fast, um, really good player. Baines was in England at national. You had Jagielka who's still knocking around the England squad, and then John Stones who's meant to be the, the darling of English football coming through. Or whatever. I mean, you've got four players there that should be doing better than than where they are, um, and but he just completely neglects it. I mean, even the likes of Barry. Ahead of them, you would say that is a really solid defensive front, yeah. but he just he just doesn't know how to set them up, and and they just don't do they don't look like they do any work on it or anything like that. It's it's clearly not a priority for him. He just thinks they they they'll sort of bore teams to death with the keeping the ball and passing it around. It's it just doesn't work, um, and and he's just got a knack for for going out and buying players that he trusts in in his system. I mean, when he first went there, he, he brought in Kone. McCarthy and Alcatraz all from Wigan with him. Alcatraz. <laughs> <laughs> I love calling him that. Um, yeah. But it's just uh, an actual name. Al- Alcatraz, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, sh- he should be bloody locked up there. Oh, I, I knew there was a gag in there somewhere. <laughs> all right, we'll wrap it up there with that top-notch banter, Mike. <laughs> I think you're right. I think George touched on it as well, Ben. That that is a bit of a myth around Martinez's style of football. I think if you, it's it's very much keep the ball at the back and make no progress. A lot of sideways lateral passes. Um, I mean, anyone can keep the ball for for, for that amount of time. But Whoa, not, no, no, the card. Yeah, if if you, if you look at Leicester this season, I think 18 out of their 20 games they've won this season. They've had less possession than the opposition. So it's what you do with it at the end of the day. And I think Martinez is one of those classic possession for the sake of possession managers that a certain type 
time a few years ago um, when that was all a rage um, was getting a lot of credit um, but he, he, he can't mix things up and when people find that game that game plan out he's, uh, he, he's come unstuck and uh, yeah I, I think he's got to go at the end of the year he will. He'll definitely lose his job. The Everton, Everton fans now have, have finally got a chance with these new owners of have, have kicking on a little bit. Finally, after all these years, so they're going to want Martinez gone. I think when we went down, the vast majority of people we spoke to wanted him gone then, and that was that was yeah. what, two months ago, yeah. something like that. Since, uh, since when they've been and things haven't got much better for them. Yeah, just as bad. And David Moyes is available, so we all know what happens next. <laughs> Natural oh, person takes yeah, over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, we've, we've rambled on for nearly an hour. I think that's a, a good time to wrap it up. Um, great points as always, Mike. Thanks for joining us, George. Yeah, um, cheers, mate. Cheers, yeah, cheers for having us. No, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll be back on Friday for the radio show and a preview of the Swansea match at the weekend. Obviously, we might have Dodzy back. We don't know. He might be in Manchester again. Or so <laughs> he says. Oh, I forgot to mention that, actually. So, Dodzy, yeah. I'm sure you'll be listening back. Uh, Manchester, is it? Even though I saw you. <laughs> Just hours ago, <laughs> in the small town of Seton Delville, in your car, looking very sheepish. But we'll find out more on Friday about why that was. Um, but yeah, right. Uh, thanks a lot, lads. Thank you. Cheers, lads. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.